0: You know, Apple, they've uh, they have sold a couple of iPhones. They did. Over the years. Over the years, yeah. And now. I mean, they're out there. iPhones are out there. Mm-hmm. You may have even had an iPhone at one point. Yeah. Which one did you have?
1: I moved from the iPhone 3G. 3G? Yes.
0: That's the last time you were on an iPhone exclusively? No, no, no. That was my first one, oh. and
1: then I just moved to the 4. Okay. And then it was Nexus afterwards.
0: Okay, Android. so you made it to the 4, and then you switched to Android. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Uh, anyway, they the thing is that Apple devices, iPhones, iPads, they tend to, and maybe this is anecdotal, but I think this, there is some evidence to suggest as well, they tend to stick around a little bit longer. You know, the software updates and... The secondary market. If you go onto the classifieds or onto eBay, they tend to retain their value. I mean, I recognize this back when I had my own business reselling certain Apple uh, products, used products, and doing uh, phone up- upgrades and or laptop upgrades and phone repairs. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, because many of them are in circulation, we have a uh, well. We have a tendency to only focus on. What's being sold right now? And and we're less likely to look at, well, how many of them are out there? Mm. And so you have analysts, you have all these guys on Wall Street and things like this, and they're constantly trying to figure out, well, where's Apple going to go? How much are they going to continue to grow? And in relationship to the various product, products and services that they, that they have, uh-huh. that they are attempting to sell, well... Equally useful to the number of new units being moved is what that install base looks like because the install base is really uh, representative of the opportunity for all these new Apple products, the services. And so this really significant milestone supposedly has just been hit. Now, these numbers are not shared publicly, but this analyst believes that Apple has recently surpassed 1 billion iPhones Mm. in use. That's a lot of iPhones in use. Yeah. Now, obviously, they're not all the most recent models and things like this, but it showcases the marketplace for Apple to expand its profitability. If they can just quickly send out a little message to a billion people and say, oh, by the way, you want to grab that, uh, I don't know, TV service, or you want to grab that uh, uh, iCloud upgrade, Mm-hmm. or whatever product they're trying to promote, it's a massive install base. Now, this is not a surprise to anyone, but a billion is a billion. How many billion people you got in the world will he do? Quite a lot. Quite I a think, few. Yeah, but it, but, but funny enough, that number, the one billion iPhones, seems huge in comparison to the seven billion people. Yep. Do you know what I'm saying here? Mm-hmm. One in seven people represent... Like, just picture a pile of one billion phones. Yeah. Now, obviously, there's even more Android devices in existence, conceivably. Uh It just goes to show you how the world has transitioned so quickly. But anyways, the, uh, the point of this is within this analysis, you have you have some evidence that Apple is transitioning into, well, a more mature company, obviously. And their new updated products are, and their considerations around their new products, it's more around how can we convince our our pre-existing user base to upgrade than it is necessarily around how can we convince our would-be customers to convert from, let's say, Android. Mm -hmm. Because you already got a billion customers. Yeah, let's work around them. I mean, that's again gonna give you that's gonna give you a huge head start. It's almost like a subscriber base for us here on YouTube. Yeah, you want to start with what? Well, we there's a lot of people here who have liked watching our videos. Let's try to figure out what they might want to watch. Uh-huh. And it's the same kind of thing for Apple, uh, especially now with a mature ecosystem in place and people who may have the watches and people who may have the iTunes inventory or uh, a bunch of movies or things like this. So anyway, within this particular analysis, according to, to this analyst, uh, who goes by the name of Neil Seibart, the iPhone business has turned into an upgrade business. While Apple is still bringing in 20 million to 30 million new iPhone users each year, it's not nothing. Of course, it's a small chunk of the pre-existing billion. The percentage of overall iPhone sales going to new users has steadily declined. Now, this is, These are not statistics available that Apple gives you or makes easy to find, but it's based on this guy's analysis. For 2020, iPhone sales to new users, according to him, will likely have accounted for less than 20% of overall iPhone sales, which would make it an all-time low oh. new iPhone users. However, the their day-
1: market share is so big.
0: And and the data we've seen so far is that the iPhone 12 has been a hit. Yeah. So what does that tell you is that they've motivated their base to upgrade more than they've actually converted Android users. And the other thing it showcases is how overstated the Android versus Apple thing actually is. For the most part, people are staying in their camps. Minus 20% of new users. 80% of according again to this analyst 80% of iPhone 12 buyers are just coming from an iPhone anyway so it's kind of moot however i'm part of the 20% i like switching around all the time and i'm sure there are people out there they're kind of like undecided voters yeah small percent but it can sway the market yeah. so it's uh, it's interesting nonetheless now of course there are other iOS devices out there The latest number that Apple revealed themselves was 1.5 billion active iOS devices. Now keep in mind that takes into account all the various iPads hanging around and I guess iPods for that matter that were running iOS. Yeah. So, but anyways, congrats to Apple. A billion selling a billion of anything. Well, you see, Tim he's not, he's not mad at it. Oh, yeah. Tim ain't mad at it. Today's sponsor HBO Max. We're going to talk about Halloween, Willie. Do did really? you you even realize Halloween was coming up? I mean, it's kind of hard to remember because the Halloween celebrations this year are not going to be what they would normally be. Uh huh. And well, like, your first reaction to that is, oh, that's unfortunate. However, it frees up the extra time for you to catch up or to relive some of your halloween favorites some of your horror flicks that you just you haven't uh seen in a while uh-huh. or you haven't had a chance to see yet yeah and believe it or not on hbo max you got quite the selection of both classics and new horror films that could make this halloween actually exciting even though you're staying in yeah get comfy you get comfy or maybe you got popcorn i don't know yeah and uh, and you're cozy on the couch, and you're with your loved ones, mm-hmm. or loved one, yeah. Or you're with your dog. You could be with Otis, yeah. It yeah. does. not Or you could be by yourself, yeah. That's the beauty of it. You boot up the HBO Max streaming service, and and you just you pick something. Here's some examples of classics: The Haunting, Night of the Living Dead, The Curse of Frankenstein. Maybe you. Here's what you do. Mm. Almost like an old fashioned drive-in movie theater. You watch an old school horror flick, and then you watch a new school horror flick. Mm. Cause they got those two movies like The Invisible Man, Us, Ready or Not, or It, Chapter Two. You can find all of this and more on HBO Max. And I'm gonna do I'm gonna do the hard part for you. Okay. Which is give you the seven-day free trial. Right on. So you can actually do this, you can have this Halloween, and it's just part of the free trial. Mm. So that's the beautiful part of it. All you have to do is head over to bit.ly, that's bit.ly, slash HBO Max Lou. That is bit.ly slash HBO Max Lou. I will also link this in the description of the video. That's bit.ly slash HBO Max Lou. And you will get a seven day free trial of HBO Max. Jump into the vast library and find something fun to watch mm. this Halloween. Right on. Back to Apple for a moment. We've talked about this subject in the past. Apple developing an alternative to Google search. Mm. This has been a rumor for a very long time. And we have talked about this from a number of angles. We've talked, to the, talked about this from the angle that, hey, Apple... You are your own universe. Where is your search engine? You talk so much about privacy, and then I boot up my Safari, and I'm back with Google, Mm. who knows everything about me. Mm -hmm. Google is tracking my every move, whether it's on an iPhone or otherwise, but you just sold me an iPhone based on this privacy commercial. Yeah. You acted like my search wasn't being tracked, but how can that be the case? Yeah, yeah. How could you act like that? Well, I'll tell you how you could act like that. You could act like that because Google, they finessed a quick 8 to 12 billies into my bank account. Well, not mine, but if I'm Tim, then it's mine. Mm-hmm. Right and, in there. And, and, and that's going to allow me, that's going to alleviate some pressure, ain't it? Uh-huh. It comes to, okay, you could track a few little things. Yeah. I mean, we need a search engine anyway. We don't got it yet. Yeah. But really, I think there's no excuse at this point. Apple, we just talked about how successful you are. You control well. everything else. You've got the music service, you got the content business, you've got the news service, you've got the fitness service, you've got the cloud storage. Where's your search engine at? Mm. Interesting play. Now, it's easier said than done. Google been doing Google. Yes. I don't think uh, I need to convince you. No. How terrifying a world without Google and your Gmails and all the rest of it might be.
1: There's a powerful page
0: right here. I mean, that page... For guys like you and I, that's the origin story. Yeah, That's where it all starts. Mm-hmm. So it's not going to be easy, but I think it's necessary. And apparently, Apple is finally making that push. We have a brand new report here that uh, shows some evidence or at least some signs that Apple is getting closer to this particular move. In the latest version Uh, of the iPhone operating system, iOS 14, Apple has begun to show its own search results and link directly to websites when users type queries from its home screen, including some of those autocomplete suggestions, which are not being sourced from Google. So what does that mean? Well, it means Apple's doing some kind of testing here. Where are they getting these suggestions from? Well, probably based on user behavior, Mm -hmm. probably based on prediction. Well, that means you got to be gathering data doesn't it oh yeah maybe you are maybe you are so what's in those agreements so what about the privacy oh well then they can say it's all happening on your device everything that happens is completely private i'm sure they can find a way to walk around it Mm -hmm. but the point is they're looking at it the point is they're thinking about it and it's beginning to be implemented in sections of the software outside of the agreement that they have within the safari search engine Mm. so siri is reaching elsewhere the home screen search reaching elsewhere mm. but that probably doesn't step on the contract so they can still receive the cash cuz it's still small scale however if you track the job listings that apples putting out there they got some they're looking for search people and uh, and, and apparently these num- the number of listings has been going up listen to this they're looking for search engineers here's the quote define and implement the architecture of apple's groundbreaking search technology That's the job description. I mean, what do I do when I get there? Let me say, let's say I apply right now. Uh, Groundbreaking search technology. I get in the front door. I say, okay, I'm ready to work on search. Where do Mm -hmm. they point me? What am I working on? Mm -hmm. You don't have a search engine, Apple. Oh, maybe you do. Maybe that's why you hired me. Yeah. Based on that job description. Yeah. I mean, that seems more likely. Uh, the other piece, of course, is around Apple Bot. That's Apple's crawler and a bunch of people in the web web dev business, which you're very familiar with, expert. So I'm sure you're aware of this. Talk about your past real quick. About what? I don't know. You're a developer, right? <laughs> I used to be. There you go. See? HTML.
1: See, this is your favorite part of the show.
0: You love when this stuff comes out.
1: I mean, you know, It's interesting.
0: You know, this is when you get to flex.
1: Oh, well. Um, I'm and we got keep trying that Trying to be modest here. We
0: got keep that part of show because, uh, well, opportunities to flex properly are uh, limited. Yeah, they don't come off. Them, no, exactly. But, uh, so you just take a moment. Well, and you I'm going to yeah. take the high road, right?
1: right I like now, that. Today,
0: I like that, and I appreciate yeah. that. Uh, anyways, apparently, according to these people, uh, this Apple bot is uh, is uh, has been showing up a ridiculous number of times. With the, with the crawl rate increases. So they're crawling. They're crawling. Mm. And it's only a matter of time. If Apple flips this particular switch, that is big. It's a big move, a big tactic. The question is, how much does the experience suffer for iPhone users? Mm. Does it suffer so much that they're like, kind of like the early days of Apple Maps? Yeah. Which is kind of a precursor to this. Do they suffer so much that they think of switching platforms, or does Apple just turn off the money hose for Google? Because if Google loses that 1 billion units in an install base right. on their money maker search, ooh, that's going to show up on the bottom line. Mm-hmm. And something tells me that number could be bigger than the number that Google is sending Apple's way. Otherwise, why are they sending it? Right. I mean, eventually. Mm-hmm. Just putting that out there for you, Will. Okay, yeah. I'm taking it in. (laughs) Last Apple story for us. The iPhone 12 appears to have secret reverse wireless charging. Honestly, I asked you about this when I saw this story. I was like, oh, yeah. Why doesn't the iPhone have reverse wireless charging? I mean, they embraced wireless charging. They got the puck and the magnets and everything else would Mm -hmm. seem perfect. Reverse wireless. You have AirPods. The AirPods would fit perfectly back there. Yep. Seem like you should have it in 2020. Well, it doesn't yet, but it does. Interesting. We have an uh, FCC filing here showcasing the capability to send power, a wireless power transfer between the phone and an accessory, what's just been called accessory at this moment. What's strange about it is it's referring to the current generation iphone which we know apple hasn't marketed this feature at all mm-hmm. but the hardware's in there so it's something that uh they just have to turn on at some point are they going to turn it on are they going to release let's say a magnetic airpod or these air tags mm-hmm. that have been rumored and then flip a switch and boom you have the functionality yeah i mean it's not impossible that they could do this down the road although you know how apple is it's kind of hard to believe they just open that up for you at a later date once they already got your money you might have to pay for it yeah pay pay to unlock well i guess if they have to sell you new airpods then it's worth it anyway they get the margin in there so maybe Mm. that's how they figure it out what's interesting though it's not going to work like other reverse wireless charging in order to charge the accessory again according to this filing here the phone itself will need to be plugged in at the time oh so this is more Mm. i mean it's not as cool yeah. And it's more of a bedside table situation where you plug in your phone to charge anyway. So this becomes
1: a, a mag charger.
0: And then your phone becomes a MagSafe charger to that next generation pair of AirPods. Okay. So now you don't need a secondary charger for your AirPods on a bedside table. Mm. I know it's not as good, and I don't know why this is the implementation. Is it heat? Is it battery concerns? Uh, of course, it's hard to know. This is just a filing But it is a curious one, nonetheless, because you would think if you have this feature or you will be, even if you will be rolling it out at a later date, you may want to talk about it. Mm -hmm. You know, you may want to market it a little bit at the event. I don't know. but it's
1: useful. It's a useful feature.
0: But maybe they're they're not ready for prime time. Maybe there are problems with their implementation at the moment, and they don't want to promise something they can't deliver. In which case, they gotta, they're got they going to see if they can figure it out. If not, they may just leave it dormant until the next gen. Right. That's possible, too. There's no promises in here, mm-hmm. although that would be uh, quite surprising. But anyways, there is hope for some level of reverse wireless charging. The odd thing as well about this implementation is that that fancy new wireless charge puck that they put out on the bedside table, now you got to eliminate that and go back to the regular cable if you have the pair of headphones. Right. Like, they still don't have a solution for the person who has the headphones, the watch, and the phone. Yeah. There's no... The air power that they were supposed to make would have still been the ideal situation, but uh, they're not doing that. Speaking of the bedside table, my God, Will, Pixel 5 has been driving me nuts. Really? On the bedside table.
1: So you use it. That's your daily driver right now, right?
0: Yeah, Pixel 5 I'm still using. i am switched to the iPhone. Today's my last day. Oh, okay. I, I know I said in the video, it's always... The thing about switching phones and people get fed up with it, they're like it's a meme or whatever. You're actually got to switch all. You got to switch your phone.
1: Yeah, everything, all the data. And believe the it or apps, not,
0: that's everything. actually what started the facepalm thing. Was just it's almost me saying, "Here we go again, switching phones." And people, the juxtaposition of the excitement around a new phone and the facepalm convinced people to click. But in reality, it's like if you switch phones every five minutes. It's actually, there's some work to it. Yes. As opposed to the excitement around switching phones once a year or once every couple of years or whatever it happens to be. So anyway, it's it's a bit of fun. Look, it's YouTube. YouTube is weird. YouTube science is weird. We're all doing uh, bizarre things as thumbnail scientists and uh, trying to get you humans who watch this to keep watching things. Mm -hmm. It's a whole game and uh, it appears to be the only way to do it for the time being. Anyways, uh getting back to the Pixel Five, which I have been using, today will be the last day. Not that there's anything wrong with the Pixel, but the, the, the camera. I love the camera. Oh. I was at the I was I was uh, uh, at the pumpkin patch, picking okay. the pumpkins. Man, what a day that was! Beautiful, uh, yeah. a fall day. Pumpkins spread everywhere. You know, orange pumpkins. Oh yeah. They even had yellow pumpkins. And, uh, and an outdoor market. So it was a little, I mean, you, still had, the, you had the mask and everything, mm-hmm. but it's kind of like sort of normal uh, a little bit. You were still distance and mm-hmm. all this, but. Uh,
1: you got to choose your own pumpkin?
0: You choose your pumpkin. Yeah. And there's different sizes. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting. The choi- the pumpkin choice, the shape you go for, mm-hmm. very, it's all interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the kids are, were carving and, you know. Yeah. It's a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyhow I snap a few photos and I'm like damn that Pixel jeez those pumpkins I had a pumpkin moment on the Pixel yeah Pixel pumpkin
1: so what were you uh, ranting about at the beginning of this
0: uh, yeah I know you want to get back to the you want to get back to the problem okay Mm -hmm. so here's the problem I love everything about the Pixel it's great Uh, it's a little small compared to the phones I've been using but I kind of got used to it however this is such a weird problem that i encountered and i realized i thought i was going to be the only one to talk about it because i'm like well this is such a niche thing Mm. if you have the pixel stand which is the official pixel charger wireless charger for the bedside which i had from previous generation pixel it has special features in it that other wireless chargers don't it can plug into your assistant and it can you can have your phone read the room to see if the room is dark, so then it will turn off the screen. It's a, kind of like a smarter wireless charger, Pixel stand. However, it's messed up with the Pixel 5. It oh. works, but not really. And I'll tell you the problem okay. right now. They're calling it an insomnia on Android police. The problem is there's a feature, there's a setting, where, the, where you tell the screen to turn off when it's docked, assuming you want to sleep. And you want the room to be dark mm-hmm. you just toggle this little button that says yeah turn the screen off when it's docked and charging well that works for one hour about one hour hmm. at which point the screen comes on blazing full blast brightness and i'll get up sometimes i'll be like, what the and and it's the phone yeah and it woke what? back up and so it's happened to me so many times that i just take it off the charger and Place so, it face down.
1: What is it? The lock screen?
0: Get the lock screen full blast. It depends. This is going to be how bright it is. Yeah, depend on your yeah. background and things like this. But it's bright enough in the room. you like, whoa. <laughs> right after an hour, it does that? Apparently. I, don't, oh. I never timed it. But they say in this that it's an hour. And they haven't patched it. They didn't fix it. So you turn the toggle on so that that won't happen. But the toggle doesn't work. There's no bedtime on mm. this phone when it's on a wireless charger. Uh, so you end up not using the charger. It's a little warning for people. I'm sure they'll patch it and fix it, but it is a weird, uh, unexpected oh. problem. Uh, the, the Pixel 5 has insomnia. <laughs> Cyberpunk 2077, the most anticipated game in recent years. We have all kinds of plans with this game. Like We're, we're going to do special stuff with this game. Crazy when stuff. It comes to- so we're equally invested in the release of it, trying to plan things around it. It looks very exciting. I mean, you and I, I mean, there's something about that the ambitious games—they're few and far between. The games that that uh, define a generation of gaming, things like this. We've talked about this recently.
1: Mm-hmm. Very uh, promising.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. and 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 so you know, I typically I like to take the optimistic angle. I like to whenever possible. Uh, but we ha- there is some bad news ab- surrounding this game. Yeah. The game has been delayed again. And I mean we feel that we're just having this conversation about Halo. It seems like every game you're really excited for, uh uh maybe we just pay more attention when it gets delayed compared to other ones, because of course any game can get delayed. The scope of this game became far more ambitious as well. So what you're talking about here, Will, is I mean, this thing just kicked off, got so popular, and people people wanted to be able to enjoy this game on any platform. Mm. And so now you're... Think about the compatibility stuff you and I were talking about. Listen to this for a second. The game's going to be available. PS4, PS4 Pro, PS5, Xbox One, Xbox One X, Xbox Series X, Xbox Series S, Google Stadia, and PC. Sheesh!
1: And that's not even talking about PC in general. Like compatibility the new nvidia cards the amd cards as well
0: it's wild it's ambitious yeah. the game is huge already to to begin with and so they tell you they're going to delay it and i understand you don't you're excited as a user i understand but then things just get weird and twisted and people start sending death threats to the company mm. and i'm reading some of these and i'm like who types that And then you say to me, well, maybe it's just a troll. And I say, I don't really care, you know? A troll, like, what? At at a certain point, uh, maybe you're uh, a youngster chilling in the computer screen and you don't think it's a big deal. But you start threatening people's families and a person receives enough of those, it starts to impact the psyche. You start telling people you know where they live. Yeah. And, and, and you're going to do something harmful to them because you didn't get your game on time? And I know people in the crowd are saying, Lou, you're such an old man. We can... Uh, uh, it's all a joke. Relax. But I'm saying, who... How can you know for sure We start throwing that around, if that's your sense of humor, is death threats?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You don't know the way that's going to be perceived. Mm-hmm. So you're being... You're assuming, let's say you you, you uh, perceive it as a joke. You're assuming that others will also perceive it as a joke, that that's in the realm of humor for them. That, that's okay. Different stage in life. You've got the family. You're working endless hours on this thing. Then you have to announce a delay, which is hard enough. Everyone's doing the overtime. And you still have to do the work. Everyone's crunching. 21 and then, more days. And then you've got to say, sorry, I'll be delivering your game shortly. Please don't kill me. Yeah. To who? To this guy? That's the extent of your sense of humor? Mm-hmm. The, sof- the sophistication of the sense of humor is I'm going to kill you? Like, this is just my point of view. I understand everybody you're, everybody is open to communicate as they see fit within the guidelines of whatever the law, uh, whatever the law states that you can and can't do. And I'm all about communication yep. and people expressing themselves, even if it, even if sometimes it's a bit weird the way a person wants to express themselves. So I get it. Some people, uh, uh some people, this game or a game represents like a big, such a really big deal to them.
1: Big part of their life. A big part of their you life.
0: Know. And in many cases will, when you see something like this, your analysis is less around the victim of it and more around the perpetrator. In in other words, you have sympathy for both. For anyone who feels a need to harass these developers because they need a game so badly to fill the to fill some void. Mm-hmm. You have sympathy for both parties here. That's the crazy part of it.
1: Mm.
0: So anyway, I know they're gonna figure it out. For me, my message to both was starting with those that are upset is just to think of it as uh, being worth the wait. Think yeah. of it as being better once you get it. Yeah. Think of it as being, think of in enjoying the anticipation to a point, right? Like I got this channel, Unbox Therapy. There's something about the anticipation. There's a lot of fun in it. If you got the right mindset, mm-hmm. damn, I got something to look forward to still. I don't have it yet. I can look forward to it. Yes. And then on the flip side, if you're uh, somebody developing this game, then get it right because it's an art form, you know? And I understand the crunch and I understand these aspects, but I wouldn't want to push it if it wasn't there either. And so anyway, I'm just trying to put some sympathy out there. I'm trying to put some uh, positive spin. I'm trying to say, uh, I'm trying to put some optimism in the the mix at least. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I hear the frustration. It, you can you can curb it. You can change it a little bit, and uh, and all of a sudden have a different perspective if you're willing to do that.
1: Yeah, and it's a real bummer because the demand is so high because of these consoles coming out. The launch of these consoles are in line in the November yeah. kind of month. Mm-hmm. It's a tough choice. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel for the developers. Yeah. You know, crunch time is really. I mean, it's real. You know, and oh, sucks. they've
0: been so. look, they've been working overtime, and you know, for the CEO to come out and start posting, lot of pressure. The CEO come out, and start posting messages, and saying he's taking it serious, and uh, I'm off, I'm off, I'm gonna go off social media for a couple of days, and mm. so you know, it's impacting people. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're saying over here somebody clocked a 100 hour week. They saw some of their friends there, and they looked physically ill. I mean, it is.
1: Listen, man. For a game.
0: It's the whole you know. the whole intensity level. I you know they come together right. It's the excitement and the intensity. It comes yeah. together, and it seems you can't have one without the other. And and that's fine, but I think if you can be considerate it's almost always better if you can consider all involved, if you can think about it from alternate perspectives, if you can imagine what it would be like to be making this thing right now, Mm -hmm. then uh, I I feel you're just, you're going to make more sound decisions about how you communicate your ideas around it as frustrated as you might be. See, a lot of people think that what they put out into the universe, uh, it doesn't matter, no one's going to see it, I'm just this guy, whatever. But, you may be having the opposite effect on people. You mm-hmm. may have people quitting after getting one of these one of these messages and slowing down the actual delivery of the thing that you're hoping for. Yeah. So, anyway, that's that's my piece on it. I went yes. deep. I went a little deeper than expected on it, but that's my piece on it. Is uh, try to look at the thing, try to zoom out and just look comprehensively mm-hmm. at the have thing. Have some empathy. And I'm still looking forward to it, by the way. Yeah. The game. TikTok has partnered up with Shopify to turn TikTok into the home the next home shopping craze. Uh what's going to happen is and I I'm, I'm a Shopify user. I use Shopify for later case. Tremendous platform, tremendous software. Uh and they're, they're down the road. Down the in road Toronto. as well, Canadian company. Um they're going to insert into the interface a really uh, sort of deep integration with TikTok so that within the platform, you can have your video ads. You don't need to go separately and then link anything. I Mm. mean, you will need to link the accounts, but you can do it all from within your Shopify account. Mm. And these ads will show up in people's feeds and they can shop directly from within the ad. Mm. So, person is scrolling along. They see something cool. Maybe it's a smartphone case. If I happen to use this particular service, I don't use TikTok, so it's going to take a minute figure out whatever be uh, useful or interesting. Yeah, I mean, obviously, people find it useful or interesting. Obviously, a couple of users. Yeah, what I, it
1: is once in a while.
0: It's what I hear. Um, and so everyone's trying to figure out. We talk about YouTube. They were trying to put a shopping feature in. Well, they yep. are. They're experimenting with it right now. TikTok wants to do something similar. It's sort of like the next phase of of advertising. And hopefully if the algorithms uh, work as they're intended to, then the right products end up in front of the right people in much the same way that the right videos end up in front of the right people. Mm -hmm. It's kind of products and videos, and it's all kind of correlated. And a lot of people are uh, uh, against the idea of advertising just in general, don't advertise to me. But when you have that experience, of, of receiving the ad for the thing that you're actually looking for it can enhance or make your life actually easier yeah so they don't they don't have to be terrible and and certainly if we can lean on uh software if you can lean on algorithms to make those smart selections things could improve even further i mean everyone remembers being a kid well i'm 35 so i remember being a kid when you're watching tv and all of a sudden commercial comes on Mm -hmm. something that you're for sure not buying it means like laundry detergent and you're like i'm the wrong dude for this well social media and data collection and algorithms all the rest it has the ability to sort of change that in a Mm -hmm. more drastic way than it's already been changed Mm -hmm. the right ad for the right person at the right moment based on the right thing that they just previously watched now we get to black mirror status but look man that's the future
1: And the barrier of entry is just one click away to buy whatever
0: you want. One click away is pretty wild. And all the Shopify backend processing for the order and your address is already in there. Yeah. And you move on to the next. Boom. It could be a very seamless experience. I'll Uh, go broke. (laughs) These ad tools allow merchants to create native shareable content that turns their products into in-feed video ads that will resonate with the TikTok community. That's another thing I should mention is you don't have to do a ton of work to create these video ads. You can use your pre existing product listings and it will, can make like a really basic video ad. I don't know if I think there's an example actually in this article. Merchants will be able to target audiences across gender, age, user behavior, and video category, and then track their campaign's performance as well. And uh, you'll have your campaign costs built right in. You can do it all from within an interface. This is a really big move for both Shopify and TikTok. And you have to wonder about companies like Amazon and how they perceive these relationships because what this is capable of doing is kind of cutting out. You see how they turned an image into a video there? Mm. New product alert. Look at that. They made it feel like a video Mm. with very little input from the merchant. Very cool. Yeah. So Amazon has to be sitting there saying, we don't have a social media play. Amazon has to be sitting there saying, we can be cut out of experiences like this. Yes. So... Uh, is the, you know this has massive implications across e-commerce and how people shop because they're already on social media to begin with. Mm-hmm. Anyway, next up we have a, a little SpaceX update. We actually have a price for Starlink satellite internet service, mm-hmm. ninety nine dollars a month. This of course is the uh, the satellite. Uh, what do they call it? Constellation. Is that Ar- what they've been? Array. Yeah, they've been sending up, I think it's like, I don't know, they have 700, 900 satellites at the moment. They're continuing to expand, and uh, they've been testing, but they haven't actually... We haven't got a ton of information about the eventual consumer product, what you're going to be able to buy from them if you're in one of these uh, tough-to-reach places. Uh, They're calling it Better Than Nothing Beta. So it's still a beta, and they're saying Better Than Nothing because they uh, totally expect to improve the caliber of the connection the speed and also the latency of the connection in the future. but for the time being better than nothing, I think they're kind of implying if you're in one of these regions you can't get a connection mm. now you got one at least 400 and bucks bucks a month 100 bucks a month. Oh what kind of speed is it? Well there's also going to be a oh. 499 a 499 upfront fee to order the Starlink kit which is going to come with a terminal that connects to the satellites, a mounting tripod, and a Wi-Fi router. so you can get some hardware mm. for that 500 bucks. Uh, it's not that fast right now. Data speeds uh, apparently are going to vary from 50 megabits per second to 150 megabits per second with latency at 20 milliseconds to 40 milliseconds. Uh, it's obviously not what their target was. Mm-hmm. They were talking gigabit, mm-hmm. and they uh, still they still have that target but it's gonna come down the road. And in the meantime, this helps them test their service with real customers, even at this lower speed and reach some people who may be currently underserviced, even when it comes to getting this level of connection. Mm -hmm. Everybody's been in a circumstance in a sort of rural location where you'll take any connection you can get anyways.
1: Yeah, even though it's expensive now, maybe there's a way to grandfather it in when you do have that gigabit connection.
0: Absolutely. So that's the idea. They're going to continue to improve it. And this went out as an email to select people that will be part of this better than nothing beta. I think it's exciting regardless, just from the standpoint of bringing internet to regions, not necessarily just in North America, but possibly eventually to regions that have zero connectivity. Like in the jungle or something. I mean, quite possibly. I mean, they might not even be serviced by cell towers Mm -hmm. in some of these locations. So... It's, uh, they think, by the way, that this could be a massive business for SpaceX. Uh, SpaceX says nearly 700,000 individuals in the United States had indicated interest in the service, and SpaceX has said that that Starlink could bring in as much as $30 billion a year, which is more than 10 times their current rocket business annual revenue. Wow. $30 30 billion a year. So there's apparently a demand.
1: Yeah, I mean you don't have to build cell towers at that point, right?
0: Nope.
1: It's just beaming down internet from the satellite.
0: That's correct. Well, you are this you're kind of the tower because you have to have this tripod and this actual piece of hardware. Mm. But right. to receive it, but at that point you rebroadcast to your premises, to your cottage, to your yeah. cabin, whatever it happens to be. It's cool. Yeah. So I was listening to Uh, Kanye West on Rogan's podcast. I'm not done it yet. Uh, This is not... I'm not going to even do a breakdown right now. I'm still processing what took place. Me too. (laughs) (laughs) However, one of the topics that came up was uh, around fashion, obviously, and around the Yeezy brand and around the recent deal that was signed with The Gap. I remember hearing about this deal and thinking, that's an interesting collaboration that's an interesting partnership. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, uh, Kanye has a history with the Gap. He worked at the Gap. He always had a lot of uh, appreciation for the Gap and has also, uh, along the way, along the sort of progression of the Yeezy brand, has indicated that he has wanted to make garments, sneakers more accessible, Had has talked about, $20 shoes and things like this, which have has, hasn't really taken place. Yeah. And so, well, you have the initial market, which is the price that the, that the Yeezy brand puts on a product, but then you have the secondary market because the products are limited. Mm-hmm. Well, when you tap into the footprint that is the gap, even though they haven't been necessarily as successful recently, that's still a massive manufacturing footprint. Mm-hmm. And therefore, maybe you can start to approach more accessible goods so more people can enjoy your uh, design work. Mm -hmm. Essentially, you wanna make an impact, you wanna have an influence, you gotta have things that are accessible to the community that you're hoping to reach. Well, anyway, we have this supposedly uh, leaked Yeezy X Gap catalog, which seems to indicate a number of items that could be available through this collaboration. And the prices, what's what's weird about it, are all identical. And they're listed in both, I believe that is Japanese yen. Am I correct about that? Mm-hmm. And uh, U.S. dollars. Mm. And you have color swatches. You have items. You have a supply hood, which is a hoodie, uh, natural denim, flight jacket, foam runner, a boot, a crew neck t-shirt, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, this is obviously fairly predictable stuff. The part of it that's interesting to me is the price. So you're looking at fifty bucks for each of these, each of these items, mm-hmm. which is, uh, I would say, relatively accessible mm-hmm. to the to the typical shopper, and certainly to the Gap shopper. So we could be looking at uh, a fairly Im- impactful collaboration. Now, you have to ask yourself about the dynamics of brand and branding and a shift from being essentially a luxury brand and what that might do for the psyche or the, the interpretation of like there's a, the scarcity component, right? Mm-hmm. Where you feel like something is limited because it's expensive. Not everyone can have it. That's not the case here. So will they limit supplies in order to maintain that? Or do they just say, we're mainstream, forget it. We got $50 $50 foam runners and a $50 flight jacket and we want everyone to have it. We're gonna make an unlimited number of them. Or does that hurt the brand too much for them to do that? Also, it's possible that this is just a placeholder and that these prices are just put there as a sort of mock up of what a catalog could look like mm. that's possible too but uh, it's curious nonetheless i would like to see uh kanye approach this idea because i remember him talking in the old days or maybe even like around the original yeezy stuff about how he had meetings with the president of payless shoes yeah. and how he was trying to uh Reach everybody with his products mm-hmm. and how he was trying to make cool products affordable. I think that's an interesting initiative, and maybe through this latest partnership, they can uh, actually approach something like that. By the way, can you just go back? Can you click back on your browser right now? Adidas Easy Foam Runner 1550. Yeah, <laughs> Boost 350, 465. 380 you see what i'm talking about like yeah i mean these are limited right but does the brand have to remain synonymous with that or can it do both at the same time that's what i'm curious about
1: basically just taking kanye's designs essentially and making it
0: ubiquitous well i'm just curious like this has obviously happened with other people other celebrities that sell mainstream products, well, they'll, they'll do like a licensing deal, and all of a sudden, in Target, it's like whatever celebrity has a clothing line, mm-hmm. and it's cheap and affordable, and they can do big numbers on it. Mm-hmm. In his case, he's created an ind- a true brand, an independent brand, and not just a face. And so you wonder if the you wonder if the approach can exist simultaneously,
1: or yeah, maybe it could be both. Maybe he could do some limited runs, and then some other designs are like accessible to everyone.
0: Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. It's it's been tough in the past. I mean, look at luxury brands; they don't do that. There's no uh, fifty dollar Gucci bag, right? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the whole concept around why it's desirable is the fact that it's exclusive.
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, what what Uniqlo did was pretty cool. Like They would have some limited runs like air, like all the time, but then they would be limited. Yes. But you would have... But
0: their limited run is still not going to be a high price point. It's not going to be $500. Is it? No, but potentially the resale market... Could See, the ref- never mind the resale market. The resale market is crazy, right? Yeah. The resale market can do whatever they want with it. What I'm talking about is if this is this stuff, will the re, will the marketplace view this stuff as Yeezy or will they view it as Gap? I think that's the curious part. Of, and, and and also based on the interview and the part that I've heard up until this point, it appears it's a more intimate relationship, mm. very intimate relationship to the point of which uh, it doesn't seem it's going to be limited runs at this point. It seems it's going to be real uh, merchandise. Production. Yeah, items. Right. Like... Uh, Long-term items. But anyway. Okay. We'll we'll see how that all works out. I thought it was interesting. See if they can actually hit 50 bucks on any item. Like, how are you going to do the flight jacket for 50 bucks?
1: The shoes, too?
0: Yeah. For 50 bucks? Anyway, that's probably a placeholder. On a lighter note, Burger King Japan reveals its fake burger ingredients. Of course, you know Japan's got to do it different. Scroll down a little bit, will he do? Chip Buddy. It's called a Chip Buddy. I guess this is a UK classic. I did not know that. This is for people who are are looking for a mega carb fest. However, Burger King in Japan has embraced the trend. This burger is, well, it's not a burger at all. It is two buns and smashed between them, it's a bunch of French fries Mm. with a meat sauce on top. And they're calling it the fake burger in Japan. It's available for a limited time, two weeks for around $2.75. It's made up of layers of thick-cut crispy French fries topped with a meat sauce, which is made of minced beef and mayo piled on a burger bun. Uh, The thing that's striking about this, of course I know Japan can do anything, but what's striking is it's actually a classic in the UK. This is what they do in the UK. I mean, I've been to the UK. Nobody offered me this. But what is it called? Chip it Buddy. A chip butt tea. Yes, yeah, a
1: chip. Yes, yeah. B U T T
0: Y. A chip buddy. And in the UK, I think, based on some of the comments I read here, in the UK, what you would have is gravy instead of the meat sauce, mm. you would have fries, gravy, and a bun on each side. Okay. Which is wild, and it must be messy, because these fries are flying everywhere. Yeah. That's, yeah. of course, what I'm thinking about, but either way, I can I could imagine if you had a few too many to drink, mm. and all of a sudden you need to soak up all that sitting there in the belly, you yep. hit it with a couple of buns and a bunch of fries, and... You're back into good health. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, shout out to uh, Burger King Japan for doing something different.